Amen. If you have a Bible, open up to Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. We're going to be today in verses uh, 22 through 26. Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 through 26. And we'll move quickly. If you have your Bibles open there, why don't you go ahead and stand with me out of reverence for the reading, the words of our God. The Apostle Paul writes under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit in such a way that as the words on this page are being read, God himself is speaking to us. Beginning in verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Let's pray. Oh God, we ask if you would, please open our hearts and minds to receive your word today, and God, we ask if we would be changed by it. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Woody alluded to this earlier in the pastoral prayer, but it's so clear that there's so much worry in the air right now. It's palpable for many of us, and understandably so even as we reel and still are reeling in so many ways from the effects of a global pandemic, we see the way that instability is growing in the world. And lots of us cope in different ways. And many of us are asking the question, what should Christians do? How should we act? How should we behave? Well, we've hoped to model that uh, for you this morning in the sense that we are going to pray and ask the Lord to act. We're going to trust Him and we're going to keep preaching the Word. No matter what might befall our land or our country, that's what we'll do. No matter what the world looks like, that's what we'll do. I know many of us are curious and think a lot about prophecy and biblical prophecy. And obviously in our culture, in Christian culture especially, the end times uh, factor in largely. And I eagerly await and hope the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. You'll hear me say all the time, uh, Maranatha, come Lord Jesus. I'm, I'm ready for Jesus to make things right. Um, I, I'm at a point right now where I sure wouldn't mind Jesus showing up when Putin's in the middle of what he's doing right now. I'd like for him to have to meet Jesus face to face like that to see who really rules the world. Someone did ask me the other day, would it be okay to pray that God just takes Vladimir Putin out, just takes him out? And I, uh, this was several weeks ago and weren't really sure what would happen and wasn't sure exactly how to answer that then. Uh, And I don't know that I can answer it outside the flesh right now. Uh, But what I do think we can pray and what we can say and what we can ask the Lord to do as Christians in these moments is to do whatever it takes for justice to prevail. And ask the Lord for justice to prevail in whatever means, in whatever ways He sees fit. But many of us um, are thinking about these things. Thinking about the end of the world. Or at the very least, the end of the world as we know it. And how should we prepare for that? I know it's on our minds. We're all thinking some of the same things. 
I want you to know that we should prepare for the end of the world the same way we live if the world's going to go on for a million years. We should live, no matter what, no matter what your prophecy charts say, we should keep in step with the Spirit of God. And I can promise you, if we will continue to do what Christians have done for thousands of years, in turmoil and trial and sadness and sickness and famine, in plague and war, the Holy Spirit will not take us where we don't need to go. The Holy Spirit won't keep us where we don't need to be. No matter what, we will keep in step with the Spirit. And it's counterintuitive to consider that these simple things, look at this list, gentleness and patience and hope and love and these things, is that really what we ought to be about? Oh, my friends, it is. So often, is that really what God will use? (laughs) Oh, yes, it is. So often, I think we're so preoccupied with putting off evil works, with fighting the flesh, as we talked about last Sunday, that I'm not sure we spend enough time thinking about how to put on good works, how to have a positive approach to life with Christ and life in the Spirit. This is one of the things that legalism robs us of. It robs us of the ability to put on good works. You see, I think we know we need to fight the flesh, but sometimes I fear we miss the positive work of the Spirit in our lives. This morning, I want to focus on what we would focus on no matter what. Keeping in step with the Spirit. Three truths today that I think will help you have a life that is oriented toward the desires of the Spirit. I hope the trajectory of your life will be moving toward and alongside and with the trajectory of the Holy Spirit. Three truths, I think, this morning that will help you keep in step with the Holy Spirit of God. Here's the first. Your fruit is from the Spirit. Your fruit is from the Spirit. This is my hope and my prayer. You will bear fruit according to Spirit. Last week we looked at fighting the flesh, and there's a a, a list, a sort of unholy list here, a chaotic and seemingly disjointed list of all sorts of sins. And Paul makes clear those who do such things, that is, those who have given their life to those things, those who are in an ongoing pattern of these sins, will not inherit the kingdom of God. But he changes gears here in verse 22. Because I think all of us, if we read the list of sins in verses 20 and 21, all of us can find one or two that we could struggle with a little harder. You know what I mean? I remember one time a pastor told him I was struggling with a sin. He said, well, struggling means you're trying not to do it. Are you struggling with it? Or are you giving in to it? I think all of us could find a sin or two on that list that we could struggle a little harder with, fight a little harder, lean into the Spirit a little more. And so you might be reading that and saying, well, maybe I don't have the Holy Spirit because maybe I'm not going to inherit the kingdom of God because I've done or am doing even, fighting with the desires even to do these things. Then Paul transitions and starts to give us a sense of what the Holy Spirit's up to. Not only what our flesh is at work to do, but what is the Holy Spirit at work doing what does the grace of God look like when the Holy Spirit gets a hold of your heart and in verse 22 he begins to list these things out but the fruit of the Spirit is love joy peace patience kindness goodness faithfulness gentleness 
self-control. Against such things there is no law. I want to just read the list over and over again. Maybe just read it as an appeal to God. Oh God, give us these things. Timothy George calls this a catalog of grace. A beautiful list of the things that when Jesus has set His love and His grace upon your heart and has given you His Holy Spirit, you're indwelled by the living God, you can begin to see this sort of fruit come out. And I I hope you see the the difference in the way these two lists are presented as well. I hope you do. do. Do you see how these first list, if now the works of the flesh are evident, but... The fruit of the Spirit is love in her children. Do you see the difference? Do you see how it's works of the flesh? That which you do, that which you can accomplish, but it's fruit of the Spirit, that which God bears in your life, that which God produces, that which God creates an environment in which it can grow, something you bear more than it's something you do. Something God's doing. He begins with love. Paul does. This is the summation of the whole list. Everything you see in the rest of this list, the other eight things in addition to love that Paul lists out, are a result of, are rooted in, are a fruit of love. Love is the mother virtue. None of these things really exist unless we love first. And you can see the way that Paul from the very get-go is showing the way that the Holy Spirit births in our hearts and lives godliness, Christ-likeness. Because we know that that which defines God above any other thing is love. God is Love, And we know it was God's love that sent Jesus into the world. We know it's God's love that's at the center of the gospel. In fact, I think that it's God's love that defines God's relationship with God. That the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit share a perfect love within the Godhead. And it was that love which spilled over into creation to produce redemption for sinners in the gospel of Jesus Christ. He, we love because He first loved us. And I think He loves us because He has perfect love in Himself. Maybe one way to say it would be, we love because He first loved us, and He loves us because He first loved Himself. It's perfect love in God. He's the wellspring of infinite and perfect love. And here the Bible says this is an attribute of God that He can communicate to us. These are called the communicable attributes of God, those which He shares with us. And by the power of the Holy Spirit indwelling your heart, you could be taught to bear the fruit of love in your life. That's not to say that no person loves apart from being saved, but it is to say that perfect love, good love, authentic love, godly love is only produced by the Holy Spirit. And this love gives birth. It's the mother virtue for eight other things. I I think there are all kinds of ways to think through these, to understand these. But you see what else the Holy Spirit is doing. He's giving you fruit for your inner life, let's say. He produces joy. He produces joy. Joy can be hard to come by if all we have to focus on are the circumstances around us. 
the world around us, even our own personal circumstances. But when we start to think about the grace that we've received through Christ, how can we not be joyful? How, how can we not rejoice? One of the great lies of the devil and the lies of our flesh, the lies of the world, is that sin's going to make you happy. Sin's going to make you happy. But have you ever seen the world feel more free to sin? Have you ever seen the world seem more free to celebrate sin? Have you ever felt like sin was being shoved down your throat even more than it is right now? And have you ever seen the world so miserable? I mean, the statistics show. The statistics show with each generation we have rising levels of misery, depression, even as we become wealthier and seemingly more well-adjusted as a society, and even as we become more free, even as we gain more license to sin, our misery rises with it. But the Holy Spirit produces joy in our hearts, produces peace in our inner life, a peace with God, but also a shalom, as the Old Testament uses the phrase, a wholeness to our life. We are slowly reintegrated by the work of the Holy Spirit. All that which was, was put uh, uh, out of joint is put back together by the work of the Spirit. We are made patient by the fruit of the Holy Spirit. I love to say I'm, convic- I'm patient by conviction, not by nature. But by God's grace over time, I've become more and more patient by grace. What does patience say when you're patient? What are you saying? You're saying, I think God's in control, and I trust His better than I trust mine. I I trust His plan better than I trust mine. I trust God's ability to do things better than I trust mine. Sometimes we'll ride somewhere in the car, and the kids will tell me they're hungry. And I'll say, if you'll just wait, please, can we just get some food? I just want some food. Like, they're starving. Like, we're on a prison bus or something. They've been fed gruel for their whole life. I say, I've got a place for you that you're going to love, that you're just going to have to wait. Can you just, when you can't trust my hand, can you trust my heart? That I mean good for you, and that I've not brought you all this way to take you to a beach and starve you to death. Can't we trust the Lord? Can't we trust His plan? Isn't that what patience is? There's fruit for your inner life. There's fruit for the sake of others. Kindness, which is love expressed for others through the disposition you have. Your disposition matters. Just the way your comport in the world matters. Goodness, sympathy and grace and extra mile loving, being good to others. Doing something out of the goodness of your own heart. You've heard that phrase. That's the sort of goodness that the Holy Spirit produces in our life. Faithfulness means doing what you say you will do, being consistent in your behavior. Gentleness. Gentleness. Jesus said He was gentle and lowly in heart. Sometimes we want to be frustrated and harsh even when we do the right thing. But you're gentle when by the power of the Holy Spirit you do things. I'll, I'll be the first to admit I've been frustrated by helping folks before. And I've sat there and thought they ought to be thankful for how I'm acting right now. And if they're not, I think I'm going to tell them about it. Is that gentle? Is that gentle? Is that kindness? Is that goodness? Is that faithfulness? But the Spirit also produces in our hearts and lives fruit for the sake of fighting the flesh. The Bible calls it self-control. 
It's a reminder then at the very end of this list. The beginning is a reminder that love is what produces all of these things. And love for God and love for neighbor matters so much. Perhaps this is what Paul means. I think it is. When he says what matters is faith. Right? Faith in Jesus working itself out through love. I think this is a, a, a teasing out of that idea that in the, life of, in, in the life of a Christian, the Holy Spirit is working things out, out to His will and according to His purpose. And as we walk in step with the Spirit, even our putting off of the flesh, even our denial of the flesh, even our resistance to sin is a gift of God. And without the Holy Spirit, our putting off of sin and our putting on of righteousness would be hopeless the question this morning because all of us here are probably a little bit of both lists the question is which direction in which direction are you headed where are you going what is the trajectory of your life your fruit is from the spirit there's nothing good in your heart and life that the Holy Spirit hasn't produced? What do you have that you have not been given? Second of all, the Spirit is better than the law. The Spirit is better than the law. This is a discount point. This is identical second point to last week. Identical. It's the same point. So for anyone that wants to criticize something, you can say he's preaching the same point every week. You need it twice. I need it twice. The Spirit is better than the law in fighting the flesh, but also in putting on good works. I, I love this phrase at the end of the list. Do you see it? Against such things there is no law. Now this is important because in a preoccupation about the law and what is and isn't good, do you see how there's a whole list of things that the Spirit does? And Paul says there's no real laws against this. That is, the law will not allow you to put on the good works that the Spirit will produce in your life. You can follow the law perfectly. You can follow the law perfectly, and it still, not, still cannot do what the Spirit can do. Even if you perfectly lived out the law, it would not produce this list of things in your life and in your heart. Not only can the law not positively produce love and its offspring, but it also cannot crucify the flesh. That's why Paul goes on here. Notice what he says. He says, And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. We can only take up our cross and follow Jesus, which is the idea that I think Paul's conveying here, because, Galatians 2.20, we have been crucified with Christ. That is the objective reality of who we are in Jesus is working itself out in sanctification as we walk in step with the Spirit. And over time, we are crucifying the flesh and its desires because we are choosing Jesus over these things by the power of the Spirit. Have you ever wondered why Christians have a reputation for being cold and judgmental and loveless? Have you ever wonder why like Angela from The Office is presented as a Christian. You know, they do the Desert Island book, and she says purpose-driven life in the Bible. And she's the most cold and judgmental and angry person on the whole TV show, The Office. You ever wondered why that's the case? It's not because we take Christianity too seriously. 
We're not perceived that way because we take Christianity too seriously. I think that's what we like to tell ourselves. Well, anyone who really takes sin seriously is going to be seen as judgmental all the time. No, my friends, it's not because we take Christianity too seriously. It's because we don't take the gospel of grace seriously enough. See, so often I think we're so busy on figuring out whether or not we're following the law that we're not really worried about whether or not we're walking in step with the Spirit. I said it last week and I'll say it again. I hate legalism because I love holiness. And holiness is not only about being pure and unstained by the world. It's not only about crucifying the flesh. It's not only about putting off evil and dirty deeds. Holiness is also about being like Jesus and living out the beauty of Christ in our lives by the power of the Holy Spirit. And as we put on these good works, we need the Spirit to do it, to be truly holy before God. And that leads us to our last point this morning. Live your life in step with the Spirit. Commit today to live your life in step with the Spirit. The Holy Spirit's not a genie in a bottle. Holy, Holy Spirit is not a rabbit's foot. The Ho Holy Spirit's not a life consultant. The Holy Spirit is the Spirit of a holy and living God. Same Spirit who raised Christ Jesus from the dead, Paul tells us in Romans, who will also one day raise your body from the dead, and who right now is taking you from lostness to glory by His power. And so the question is, are you living your life in step with the Spirit? When I was a college pastor, um, I would get the question all the time about how to evaluate someone to date or someone you might want to marry. You know, they're always wondering, how can I determine God's will in this? How do I know what the Spirit wants me to do? And so I would always encourage my students to use a question when evaluating a potential partner. What is the trajectory of their life? What is the trajectory of their life? They may seem like someone who's really godly today, but is this a, is this a plant that sprung up in the scorching heat of life is going to wither it up? And they may, not, they may seem like they're not as close to Jesus as you wish they were today, but the question is, what direction are they moving in? Because 10, 15, 25 30 years from now, that trajectory is going to matter a lot. If it's a good angle, even if they're moving slow, they're moving in the right direction, that's going to matter a lot. A lot more than just where they happen to be today. What is the pattern of your life? Which list is winning? Am I focused on living life for me on being conceited and on provoking others and on envy, on being self-centered? Or am I focused on being Spirit-centered? Let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Some of you may, as we've read these passages, started to struggle some with assurance of salvation because you may say, I am not living out these lists the way the Bible says. I think I may even some days have more on the bad list than I do on the good. Some days I feel like I'm in the wrong catalog. The catalog of sin rather than the catalog of grace. Oh, but my friends, the Holy Spirit won't won't keep you on the first list. 
And he won't stop producing in you the second list. Your faith and trust is in Jesus. Now listen, if you've given in to sin and you have no power over sin and you don't see any fruit in your life, oh, come talk to me because Jesus offers grace freely. You don't have to tighten yourself up. You don't have to polish yourself up like an old pair of shoes. You don't have to do that. You can go to Jesus and receive grace. But more than likely, my friends, if you see any of this happening, anything dying on the old list and anything cropping up on the new list, and it might just be a sprout, but that's okay. And you've put your faith and trust in Jesus or you've professed faith in Jesus, the Holy Spirit's going to finish the work He began in you. My friends, this is what we're called to. Brothers and sisters, this is what we've been called to. The world will get worse. But the, the world will get worse, but we will still be in step with the Spirit. The world will become more sinful, but there we will be, in step with the Spirit. Christianity may become illegal one day. I don't know. It is in some places, but against being in step with the Spirit, against such things, there is no law. Our flesh will rage and sometimes win, and sin will still course through our bodies, but we will fight by the power of the Spirit to keep in step with the Spirit. The Holy Spirit will keep us. He will help us. He will comfort us. He will produce fruit in us until one day our Lord does come and get us. And finally on that day, when we see Jesus face to face, our steps will be in perfect sync with the one who loves us so. Brothers and sisters, keep in step with the Spirit until one day those footsteps lead you all the way to heaven, your perfect home, where you'll find rest for your soul and perfect holiness then and forevermore. I want to offer an invitation this morning. If you don't know Jesus, if you've never trusted Him for the first time, it would be uh, such a joy to get to witness you turn from your sins and repentance. Turn to God in faith through Jesus today. You can do it right where you are, or I'll be waiting on you here if you want someone to talk to, someone to pray with you. What a joy it would be for us to watch you step into the kingdom of God today. Second of all, you may be a believer who needs some time to pray. You take these moments to pray. If you need someone to pray with you, I'll be here. And if you want to if you want to show your contrition and your love for Jesus in a, in a tangible way, or you just feel led to, this altar is open for you. And finally, you may be looking for a church home. What a joy it would be for us to talk to you today about what it means for you to be a member here at First Baptist Church. After this prayer, I want to invite you to come. Let's pray together.